Today's scripture will be from Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. That is a constant message. It's true for today because the... As we've said before, the world in front of us is not like the world behind us. And that's true today in very special ways, but it was true yesterday and the days before. It was true when I graduated from high school. It was true when my children graduated, and it's true for our graduates today. We are entering a new world, and today's message speaks truth for each of us, no matter what our age or stage of life because God has a future for us. He has promises, a place that he's taking us. Eventually that is heaven. And along the way, Satan's going to put up barriers and walls. And so today's message is, what do you happen when barriers and walls come in, in between us and where God wants us to be? Because Satan loves to block us. And when walls fall down, we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 5 and 6. And we're literally going to walk through those two chapters so you might want to turn and follow along with us. We all have these barriers and walls that come into our lives. And so when walls loom large in our lives, what are we going to do? Well, I'll give you a couple of th three things that you, we don't want to do, and you can probably think of more. When walls loom large, don't focus on the barrier in front of us. The children in Israel learned this lesson the hard way. You might remember they were there to cross into the promised land and they sent the 12 spies and and 10 came back and gave the bad report and two gave the good report and in the midst of the bad report the, the report that discouraged and turned the children of, of Israel away the one that made them think they could not walk that the, the wall the barrier was too tall was when those uh, spies said all the people we saw there were of great size we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. In other words, they saw the people there, and they were huge. And they looked at the people, and they looked in the mirror, and they looked at the people, and they said, well, they're giants, and we're just little grasshoppers, and I'm sure they look at us the same. And so they saw the barriers between what, where they were and where God had promised they could be. So don't focus on the barrier, and don't doubt God's power and ability. Because when you do that, when you doubt God's power and ability, that leads to the wilderness and wandering. It leads to frustration. Instead, there were two spies that looked at those giants in the land, and they looked at God, and they looked at the giants, and they looked at God, and they said, <laughs> grasshoppers, I'm not it. They are because I'm looking at God. Don't doubt God's power and ability. And so when the people of Israel are told, the children of Israel are told, you're not going to take the promised land now, you're going to go into the wilderness and into wandering, some people said, we're, we're, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, we'll go take the land. 
And they say, we're going to go into battle. And God says, Moses says, don't go because God won't be with you. But they went anyway. And you can read of the results in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 41 and following. Because they're told, don't go in and fight because the Lord is not with you. And they were defeated. So don't try and go it on your own. Don't th think you have to do all this yourself. We have a God who can bring down walls on our side. So let's go to Joshua 5 and 6 and learn some lessons of how to respond, some principles when barriers stop us from our, reaching our God-given promises and the purpose that he has for life. I'm going to give you several. You can think of more. But let's just walk through the text and look at them. And the first one that came to mind to me was allow God's actions in our lives to declare his power and presence. In other words, let it proclaim God's presence in this world. Look at Joshua 5.1. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. It was pretty obvious to all the people watching that the children of Israel hadn't done this. I mean, they, were, they thought they could defeat them, but when they saw what God did, that gave them pause. And may our actions not be one, look at me and look what I accomplished. May it always point to God and how he took me through a barrier that nobody else could possibly have overcome. Allow God's actions in our lives to declare loudly his power and his presence. This is seen clearly in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It's, it's a story of Peter and John when uh, they're trying to be, uh, people are trying to intimidate them. The most religious people and the leaders of that uh, religious world are trying to intimidate them, and yet they stand up and these words, we find them in Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled and ordinary men. I mean, I can connect with this passage. They were astonished and they took note that these men have been with Jesus. I hope I can connect with this passage. So when people see God working to break down the barriers in my life, I hope they just see an unschooled, ordinary person. So obvious that it wasn't Kent that did anything. They see the power and the presence of God. And that truth will speak loudest of what he's done. So to do that, to let that be proclaimed, I must first commit myself to God. I need to be fully committed to God, both outwardly and from the heart. Joshua 5, verses 2 through 7. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had, had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness for 40 years until, the men to, until all the men who were military age when they left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. So he raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. From the time of Abraham, circumcision was a sign of covenant relationship with God. And the Israelites at this time renew that practice of circumcision. 
this sign of obedience to God. It's a part of them getting ready and preparing to move into the new land. Now, the first generation had been circumcised outwardly, but they were filled with disobedience on the inside. And he's saying, may that not be the case for this next generation. It shouldn't have been for them because the point of circumcision is not just something outside. Deuteronomy 10, 16. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. Jeremiah 4, 4. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. Circumcise your heart. From the very beginning, it was to be inward, not just something that was outward. It would be showing obedience on the outside, but also an obedient heart. This was always the intent. But the children of Israel never seemed to understand. And in the New Testament, you see the issue coming up over and over again. There are many passages that speak to this truth. I picked Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, where he's trying to get the Jews again to understand this truth. A person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart. In other words, to get ready to do what God would have us to do, to break past the barriers, we have to be ready. We have to have an obedient heart, and that means we fully trust in God. We rely on his protection and timing, always, especially when we need time to heal because of the changes in our lives. I actually love this little verse, Joshua 5, 8. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. They needed some time to recover. And God provided it. While the nations around them were trembling in fear because of what God had done, they're shut behind their walls and afraid to attack. He gives the people time to heal. It's a painful thing to circumcise our hearts as well. In other words, to change who we are and who we're loyal to. And it takes some time to heal. And so when you're going through the pains of those changes and you're trying to heal your heart, just know, trust God. He's there with us. And he's going to protect us. We need to remember the protection that comes from following God's instructions. Joshua 5.10. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. And the purpose of the Passover was to remember. They remembered an event from 40 years previous about how God had saved and freed them. So as we heal, as we trust, remember that protection that God brings into our lives and how that angel passed over them in that day and how our obedience to God today will help us walk into this future he has in store for us. Because he will protect us and he will provide for us. God's provisions are a constant, even though at times they might look a little different. Joshua 5, beginning in verse 11. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, 
But that year they ate produce of Canaan. They remembered the past and how God had protected them then. But the kind of protection he was going to give them now is going to be different. But it's still going to be God's protection. When they wandered in the wilderness, God provided for them and their, meal, their food in manna. But now he's taking them into the promised land. And he's still going to provide. It's just going to look a little different. It's the milk and honey from the land. It's the clumps of grapes that takes giants to carry them out of the field. He is going to provide. They baked that unleavened bread and ate that grain. And even today, God still provides for us. It's not manna, and it's not food shipped in from Canaan. It's the bread of life. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 32. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Oh, it's different these days. But God has provided us the bread of life. He's provided us Jesus. And we need to recognize that provision. And that's the word, that's the bread that sustains us. And because of that, we need to submit ourselves to God. We need to recognize the holy presence of God and how he's working to accomplish his will in this world, even now, even in this day. In Joshua chapter 5, verses 13, it talks about how Joshua learned this lesson in a very powerful and significant way. It's a part of the story we don't often tell, but I think it is crucial, a key point to make the next verses make sense. Look at verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the, of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So Joshua's near Jericho, and it could be argued that he has literally gone to scout out the walls of Jericho. Maybe it's nighttime, and he's in the shadow of the wall trying to figure out how we're going to take this. And as he stands there, hopefully hidden from the enemy, all of a sudden, a man stands before him with a sword in hand. And Joshua wants to know, very, very appropriate, are you for me or against me? Are you a friend or are you foe? Are you for me or are you for my enemies? And the Lord says to him, neither. I am the Lord. The question is not, whose side am I on? The question is, Joshua, whose side are you on? Joshua gets the message, and he falls down on his face in reverence to God. He says, okay, God, there's a big wall here. I'm here scouting it out. 
I have no idea how we're going to do it. Do you have a message for your servant? How are we going to get through this wall? I imagine, I'm guessing, but I'm imagining that's what he was expecting to hear. And what was the answer? Take off your sandals, for the place on which you stand is holy. How are you going to get through the wall in front of you? Remember, it's not your wall to conquer. Remember, you're not in command of the Lord's army. Remember, Jesus is first and I'm second. And take off my shoes and worship. I don't know for truth, but I wonder if every time Joshua took off his shoes from then on, if he remembered, I'm not Lord. I'm not over this army. I'm second. But Joshua did get up from that ground. And he did put his shoes back on. You see, the, the secret to falling walls is remembering who's Lord, who's in charge, and remembering I'm second. And may every day of our lives, when we put our shoes on, remember that Jesus is Lord. I made Jesus Lord in my life when I gave my life to him in baptism. And may I make that confession at the first of every day and in every step of every day. Jesus is Lord. And I submit to him. Now this is a hard thing to do. It was hard for Joshua, it was hard for the children of Israel, and it never seemed to get any easier for them. And sometimes it doesn't seem to get easier for me. Later on, when once again... The children of Israel and the king are in fear. We find the Lord sends a a spokesperson to tell them in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours. Who is it? It's God's battle. So take off our shoes. It's holy ground. And then let's put them back on. And submit to him and remember every morning that I follow Jesus because it's his plan, not mine. I listen to God's plan and and that plan is going to take us through the barriers that we confront. It was true for the children of Israel then and it's true for his children today. He has a plan. So listen to God's plan to remove those, those barriers. Joshua 6 verses 1 through 5. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out, and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. Wow, interesting battle plan. In fact, truthfully, that really doesn't seem like much of a battle plan. It seems more like a worship procession. You see, the emphasis 
and the way that Jericho is defeated is by God's work not by the work of a human army God has a plan so let's walk that pathway of his plan in worship to him and let's follow though let's follow because God's going to lead us our our goal is simply to follow we're called to simply follow God wherever he leads verse 6 chapter 6 verse 6 so Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it and he ordered the army advance march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord when Joshua had spoken to the people the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward blowing their trumpets and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them the armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carried the seven trumpets, went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard, follow, rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. For six days, they followed God, literally. How many times did you see Ark of the Covenant? Which means God was before them and they're just following him. It is his path and they're following his directions. It's not our path. And we need to never forget who's in front of us and who's leading. We are simply called to follow God. And when Satan tries to tell you, you've got to pick a side, pick a side. Who are you for, friend or foe? Just look for the Lord and fall down on your face. Put yourself beside God and follow him, his path. God is leading us. And when we follow God, take a few a little advice from the children following the ark of God. Joshua says, keep quiet. In other words, while you're walking around, don't look up at them and jeer and say, we're going to get you. The walls are going to come tumbling down. Just keep your mouth shut. And after a few days of this, when nothing happens and they start yelling at you, don't call back. Just walk in silence. Keep your mouth shut and follow God again. And follow God again and again. Today, tomorrow, the next day, and the day after it. We just look for God and follow Him. Even when it doesn't make much sense. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Who ever heard of taking a city using weapons like a shout and trumpets? But the ark. God guiding them meant that God was going to be doing the work. And with God, all things are possible. Isaiah 55, 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts 
than your thoughts. To bring down the walls in front of us, we don't follow the same procedure as Joshua. But we do follow the same principle, and that is we follow Christ. We follow God into our future. And we do so wholly devoted to Him. So when the walls fall and the blessings flow, remember, we're, we're fully committed. We are fully devoted to God. Look at the next verses in chapter 6, beginning in verse 15. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua command, commanded the army, Shout! For the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the armies shouted, and, the, and, the, the, and at the sound of the trumpets, when the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword everything living, every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys." When walls fall, we need to remember that when we walk in, everything is devoted to God. That word devoted actually means to, to totally give over to the Lord. And it includes this concept of destruction, usually, like a burnt offering that they would offer. Because when the offering was burned up, literally, they got no, nothing out of it. It was, it was burned up before the Lord. However, that word doesn't mean just an offering per se. In this case, the devoted city is not to be used for their individual personal gain. It was totally given to the Lord and banned from, from them using it for their own good. It was devoted. It's amazing to me that none of them put anything in their pocket, thinking no one was watching. No, it doesn't. You tell me, you walk around the wall seven times and all of a sudden it collapses, and nobody dies except the people inside. I'm not putting anything in my pocket. But I hope I don't put it in my pocket because it's all wholly devoted to God. You see, sometimes we obey God before the battle, but we disobey Him after the victory. We need to be careful. Just a little bit earlier, we gave offerings to God. We, we gave of our, our funds. And it was, it's reassuring to us to know that what you give is going to be used in a great way. Isn't, isn't that nice to know? But when you were baptized... You confess that you were no longer number one, that Jesus was. And you declared him Lord of your life. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. 
You were baptized and washed your sins away in submission to him. And all that you have and are is his, devoted to him. And so when we give as a part of our worship, may we find comfort knowing that it's going to be used in a way that blesses God and his people and his kingdom. But don't forget, he has it all. It's all he is. So when we give, let's remember. And I can be a cheerful giver because I'm inside walls that fell when I couldn't do anything to bring them down. I had sinned, I could not fix it, and he did. There was a barrier between me and God that I could not cross, and yet on the cross, Jesus made a way for me to come back into connection with God. Wholly devoted. So, remember, God keeps his promises. You can count on him. You can count on him to remember his promises and to keep those promises. Back in our text, Joshua 6, beginning in verse 22. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and irons into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men of men Joshua had sent as spies into Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. When this world is destroyed, God will remember his promises to those who are fully committed to him. Jesus will bring us into his presence. I might be a sinner in this world. But I'm going to be holy there. Sinless. What a powerful story. When walls fall down, it wasn't my feet that kicked them over. And it wasn't my shout that brought them down. It was feet that followed God and shouted to his glory. Well, the trumpet that day isn't the last trump we're going to hear. For us as believers, well, everybody, is going to hear that trumpet sound. 1 Corinthians 15 puts it this way in verse 52. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. The trumpet will sound again. The question is, am I going to be ready? Am I going to submit to God? Am I going to choose to follow him? I hope we will each stay prepared and ready, and we can listen with confidence, knowing that he's going to keep his promises. Words again given to give us encouragement to live life. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will, be, will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the shout of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. He's coming.
So those of us who are believers, who've given our lives to him, remember, that wall is no problem. Oh, the world might have built it, and it seems like we can't knock it over, but it's no more significant to God than a child's wall built out of building blocks. It is unstable, and he can easily take it down. So live with him. Live for him. Follow him. Be wholly committed to God wherever he leads and watch the walls fall today, tomorrow, the day after, and the day after. For those of you who are not believers who have given your life to Christ, this is your chance. Why wait? Won't you commit your life to him? If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, won't you submit to him in such a way that your sins can be washed away in the waters of baptism and you can be raised to walk that new life, the one that follows him. Because if I want to arise in the future, I need to get up now and give my life to him. The words of Paul echo in my mind, Acts twenty-two sixteen. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. It's a song, Lord, Take Control. And if you're really ready to confess him as Lord and give your life to him in baptism and walk that, new, that path, then I hope you'll take advantage of it. Will you give him control? And for those of us who are believers, it's a reminder. It wasn't my feet that kicked down that wall. It wasn't my voice that brought it down. Let him have control today and every day. I hope you'll continue to think about this. We've put together a sermon discussion video. You'll be getting an email about it. You can find it on our YouTube page as well, along with a discussion guide. Maybe later today or sometime this week, you want to be with family or friends and, and uh, reflect on some of these thoughts. I hope you'll do so, or even in your own personal study. And for those of you who are not with us in the auditorium today, we want you to know we're thrilled that you're here, and we believe God's speaking to you as well. And we'd love to be praying for you. Reach out to us. We, we want to be there for you. Best way we've come up with that to, to let you respond now so that we know if you, you need us is to go to our website. We have a prayer page. It's also on our, on our app. And let us know. And we want to be praying for you or we want to study with you. We want to help you follow God in your life. And for all of us, may we take advantage of, of knowing that people are asking for prayer requests to go to that same place. You can just click on the praying hands and people will know that we truly are a praying people. Lord, take control. If you need to respond publicly, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing?